This month's episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a beautiful piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nodakian Studios. And also check her out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Nodakian Studios, where you can see updates on where she's going to be, as well as giveaways. Go check it out. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Hey folks, welcome back to Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast, where you can find a new episode the last Sunday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern on Podbean. You can also find Boo and I on RadioAndPodcast.com, iTunes, Paranormal Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on IamDarkWaters.com. Please give a like, share, and subscribe, or a follow to Paranormal Heart to show the love. And send an email to paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. Let me know where you're listening from. You can give me feedback or just say hey. You can also give me feedback on the new oddity segment with John Mallard. I'd really love to hear from you. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Dixie Cryptid. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel yet, what are you waiting for? Go. Go now. Well, not now. Wait till the show's done. Then you can go. He has an amazing channel where he reads people's encounters with Bigfoot. So check that out and tell him Boo and I sent you. I'd also like to wish all my fellow Canadians a very happy Canada Day. Enjoy this long weekend and please be safe. Before I introduce my next guest, enjoy the next segment of Oddities. Let's see what odd things John has found for us this time. Hey Oddballs, welcome to this month's episode of Oddities. Strange facts that are true about an odd, odd world. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I need you all to keep it down a little bit. I got a little bit of a headache. You know, Canada Day weekend. I was making rather merry last night, to quote Bob Cratchit from A Christmas Carol, and I've got something that, unfortunately, most people get. Doesn't matter what color you are, what your sexual orientation, age, whatever. I've got an absolutely horrible hangover today. Have you ever had one that's, like, so bad it feels like your teeth are going to fall out of your head? Yeah, I'm working on the whole hair of the dog thing here. Ah, yeah, there we go. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. This will straighten me up. But, you know, many people actually think that the whole hair of the dog thing doesn't really work as well as one would think to cure a hangover. But fear not. Your good friend John Mallard is here with oddities this month, and our strange facts are going to be, well, some hangover cures. I think this one might really go over well 
with all the listeners out there, especially those who are celebrating and, you know, having a good time this summer. Hangover cure number one, take a shot of pickle juice. <laughs> okay, it might sound a little yucky, but the, uh, you know, the idea behind drinking pickle juice to cure a hangover is that the salt in pickle juice is supposed to replenish all your electrolytes and stuff. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's kind of gross to think about drinking pickle juice. But anyway, you know, you kind of lose those electrolytes overnight uh, anyway. But uh, when you're drinking, you lose a lot more. According to Health Magazine, Dr. Tochi Areko Melezi, who's an MD, practicing family physician in Long Island, New York, told Health, pickle juice will help with your electrolytes, but you should still drink lots of water and get some sleep. <laughs> Sorry, guys, this headache is brutal. Let's pour myself up a nice tall glass of kombucha here. <laughs> kombucha also contains electrolytes and can help get you rehydrated if you want something other than a sports drink or, you know, good old-fashioned plain water, according to Pop Sugar. Research on whether kombucha can help with stomach aches is limited, says Pop Sugar, but the bubbles also might help your tummy feel a little bit better, too. Okay, you know, I've heard this one before, and I think this one here is a little bit more sensible. I ain't drinking no kombucha, but man, I love honey on toast. <laughs> Let's do it. You heard about this one? There's no scientific evidence that a big, greasy breakfast will kill your hangover. I disagree. I, I disagree. I, I I guess I'm just the paranormal guy. I love a big, dirty feed. Like, give me a poutine or something. That'll straighten me up, according to health, anyway. The whole greasy breakfast, not your best thing to grab. In fact, a greasy breakfast might just give you heartburn after drinking a lot, says Health. John Brick, PhD, an alcohol research scientist and author. He's an alcohol research scientist. Best job ever. Doctor's Handbook, Hangover Handbook is what he wrote, recommends eating something light. No specific foods are recommended, although honey sandwiches are helpful to some people, Brick told Health. Drink a big old glass of coconut water is the next one on the list. And, uh, you know, I've been down south before and I had all people tell me this, but I'll be honest. It tastes too much like it just the consistency, the, the, the idea that it's coconut milk, the idea that it's anything at all close to milk makes me want to vomit because milk is just not a good hangover thing. It's common to lose a lot of potassium from frequent urination and vomiting maybe after a night of drinking, says Livestrong. And coconut water is full of potassium. Coconut water is way easier in your stomach than acidic beverages like orange juice. So Livestrong says it will help you to get rehydrated in no time. Cosmetolton recommends adding pineapple juice to your coconut water if you don't like the taste. So it's more like a pina colada and the extra sugar can give you a little boost in mood as well. And, you know, I'm going to pass on the coconuts. Take a ginger supplement or add some ginger to your tea. Hmm, we're getting classy. According to Livestrong, alcohol makes your stomach overproduce hydrochloric acid, which is why you you know might feel nauseated the day after you've been drinking. Ginger can help soothe an upset stomach, says Livestrong. So reach for some ginger ale. Take a ginger supplement or slice up some ginger root and put it in your tea or morning smoothie. I can see the answer. I'll be dead freaking, oh my god, the idea of Blender being this hungover is killing me. Like, the thought of running one of those things, just that loud sound, forget it. Make a virgin Bloody Mary. Skip the whole hair of the dog thing and go straight for the tomato juice to help your hangover. Healthline says tomato juice can speed up how quickly your body processes alcohol, can even protect your body against liver injury. Plus, a few spices and garnishes can make it a tasty way to start your morning, especially if you're not quite holding solid food down yet, which is something that I kind of struggle with. <laughs> uh, brew some green tea is the next one. Consuming foods and beverages high in antioxidants can also help your body start to recover from the effects of alcohol. 
According to Medical News Today, green tea is a great source of antioxidants, along with berries, spinach, nuts, seeds, dark chocolate, and even carrots. You know, that means you could also have a small spinach salad to cure your hangover if your stomach feels up to it. A small spinach salad? Buddy, give me a feed of Rotten Ronnie's any day. Eat a bowl of miso soup. I don't even know what the hell miso soup is. Soup in general is just kind of a great hangover cure, but Livestrong recommends miso soup for hangovers because of its water and salt content. The water hydrates you while the salt helps your body hold on to the water, says Livestrong. And miso is made of, from fermented soybeans and fermented foods are just plain good for your gut anyway, according to Livestrong. So it's a win-win. Here's one that I'm going to definitely do. <laughs> Cover yourself in menthol and mint. <laughs> I might be all over like an old sock, but at least I smell deadly. As someone who gets migraines, I can vouch for this one. Daniel Guchero, a now-retired bartender who used to work at PKMY at Tiki Bar in New York City, told Insider to basically use anything mint or menthol to treat your hangover. Upon waking in throughout the day, message drop. Massage a drop or two of peppermint oil into your entire scalp and ears. Smear Vicks Vapor Rub under your nose and avoid feeling noxious from unpleasant smells. Drink double-strength mint tea and put the tea bags onto your eyelids for a few moments. Very, very interesting. Last but certainly not least on your hangover cure journey, it's time for you to get a John Mallard original, although I'm sure other people have heard this before, but I think one of the best hangover cures is avocado on toast. Okay, I, I, it just does it for me. I researched it a little bit and I found something in McLean's. I'm going to read this for you guys. Yes, I went there, but I have a good reason. Just like coconut water, avocados can help you raise your potassium levels after a night of heavy drinking. However, you decide to treat your hangover, you know, avocados are the way to go. It also helps protect your liver against injuries, so they're a particularly good food to eat when you're having a hangover. These are just really good. They're easy to keep down. They're kind of bland. Avocado is the way to go. Think about it, man. Have a nice avocado on toast. Nothing wrong with that. However you decide to treat your hangover, Harvard Health says it's just important to drink fluids, get your blood sugar levels back up, and maybe take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory pain reliever other than acetaminophen. Your body needs some time to recover, so just remember to allow yourself the space to feel better. Well, there you have it, folks. Some hangover cures and uh, a little bit of odd ones at that. I think I'm going to wrap myself in uh, mint tea leaves and see how it goes. Just jump in a vat of alcohol. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, one more second. Ah, that's the stuff right there. Enjoy the rest of your show. Back to you, Kat. I have the honor of having a returning guest on today. He's the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society and has had many encounters with the paranormal of all kinds. He has investigated many aspects of the paranormal and he shares some interesting things with us today. So please help me welcome, once again, Al Santariga. Hey, Al, welcome back to Paranormal Heart. Thank you, Kat. It's good to be back. Oh, it's so I'm, I'm so thankful that you're back. I know you, uh, you were limiting how many interviews you're doing this year, and uh, thank you so much for agreeing to do mine again. Oh, uh, you know, you're always uh, you're always a special person. So Aww. you're you uh, you'll, you'll always be able to get me whenever you need me. I, I'm I'm available for you. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. There's a handful of people that I will bend over backwards for, and you know, um, drop everything, and you're one of them. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, since you are my first uh, return guest. Uh, I'll just give you the floor because I know you have a lot of things to talk about. So I'll just let you choose what you want to talk about tonight. 
Okay, the first investigation I like to talk about, it's called the Beekman Arms Investigation. It's a 200-year-old inn in Rhinebeck, New York. Uh, it's a very, very um, uh, uh, historical building. Uh, it was used during the Continental War, the Re Revolutionary War. Uh, George Washington stayed there. Um, a lot of uh, the celebrities stayed there. When Chelsea Clinton got married, she got married in Rhinebeck. And a lot of the celebrities stayed at the inn um, as well. There has a laundry list of who's who's that's ever stayed there. And a friend of mine, uh, Tom, he's got a team called Ghost Magnet with a Twist. And he was doing an investigation there with his team. And he invited me to come and uh, be part of it. And my wife and I, we decided, you know, let's do it for the weekend and get, get out of the house. And we went up there and we rented a room for the night. And uh, when we got there, um, Beekman is a very quaint town, very um, rich town. Uh, we did a lot of sightseeing and stuff like that. But when we got to the hotel, I had a laundry list of uh, equipment I brought with me. I had a, a digital voice recorder. I had a digital camera. I had a full spectrum camera. I had a dowsing rod. I had a, a quartz crystal pendulum. I had a periscope wand. I had a K2 meter. And um, we, went, we got to the room. And, of course, the first thing I did was throw on the K2 meter and the, and the periscope wand to see if there was any, any uh, EMF in the room. And, of course, both of the meters went off. So then I broke out the dowsing rods just to see if the dowsing rods would pick up anything. And, as well, the dowsing rods did move as well. Um, I didn't do any questions and answers kind of thing, yes or no. I just wanted to see if I would get any energy through them, and I did. Um, turned on the digital voice recorder, but for some reason, my digital voice recorder is voice activated, but for some reason, it would not record in that Ooh. room. Yeah, just wouldn't record. I mean, I had, I put it on uh, and uh, we had a full conversation, my wife and I, we had the TV going and nothing just, it's not like it was off. It just didn't record, hmm. um, pulled out the, the full spectrum camera and tried to do that and the camera just kept shutting off all the time just i turn it on it was shut off i turn it on i changed out the batteries i must have brought like five batteries with me each battery was supposed to last like four hours and it didn't matter what battery i put in there it would just turn on and turn off so i got i said you know what we had like a, a little um fire escape um uh back a back entrance to the hotel out um behind our our, our our room so i went out on the room out on the fire escape um just to see if everything would work and don't you think that full spectrum worked fine outside the building but the minute i i, I left it on walked in the hallway the minute i walked in the hallway shut off so wow. i was like you know what i'm not even gonna play with this thing tonight <laughs> i'm done you know it's gonna be one of those nights i'm not gonna do it so um there was a couple of different spots in, in the building that were hot spots that um, Twist, that's Tom's name, Twist, um, had done the building before and they knew all the hot spots. There was a, a basement that had a hole in the wall, which used to be um, an entrance for the Underground Railroad. 
to um, transport the escaped slaves to to Canada. Mm. So that was one of our locations. There was an attic upstairs above my room that was humongous. And it had like 10 rooms off the attic, which were like the size of bedrooms. So um, there was a wine cellar that was hidden behind a wall at one point. They didn't know it was there until they broke the wall down to expand the, the restaurant. And they came, they found a wine cellar behind this wall that didn't know it was there. That was a hot spot. And then the library was a hot spot. So, you know, me being me, I got there a few hours early. I started doing a little uh, personal investigation on my own. And I went upstairs and to the attic and I did a little, uh, I, EMF uh, did a little uh, K2 meter and periscope wand thing, and uh, I was getting re I was getting hits in the attic. So then I went down into the basement, and I was getting hits in the basement. I went into the library again. I got you know I got hits uh, into the wine cellar. I got hits. So the periscope wand and the K2 meter were going off basically at all the hot spots in the building. So that night we had a sit down dinner and um, I had a couple of people at my table who were um, uh, employees of the hotel. They were like chaperones for because the teams were going to break up into different teams for each section. And they were chaperones. The hotel wanted a chaperone with each team and they happened to be sitting at my table. So I started talking to them and I was asking them about the wiring. I said, is the wiring 200 years old? And they're like, why do you ask that? I said, because I'm getting hits with my K2 meter and my periscope one all over the building and i just want to know if it's you know faulty wiring you know like no wiring with no insulation or mm. thin insulation and to my surprise the electrician who did all the upgrade on the hotel was sitting at my table <laughs> and he turned to me and he says i can guarantee you that all of this wiring is up to code what it's what the the right uh insulation he says you can go get your k2 meter right now we can go to that outlet on the wall and i guarantee you it won't go off so i said okay let's 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 do it right so mm-hmm. i called this i said figured i'd call this bluff yeah and i went and i did it and the k2 meter didn't go off but we were in the dining room now we weren't in any of the other hot spots mm-hmm. so i said okay so you know that reassured me that it wasn't faulty wiring that was making the meters go off you know so i said okay so we went and we had a nice dinner and everything and we broke up into teams and um um, Ghost Magnet has their own psychic, this woman named Melissa, and she was there. And on our first location that we went up to, my wife and I, we were up in the attic, and I had she was using my my wife was using my thermal imager. I brought my thermal imager as well. She was using my thermal imager, and I was going around from room to room, snapping photographs uh, with my digital camera in the dark just to see if I would get anything. And I got a lot of orbs, a lot of orbs that were wasn't just dust particles and stuff like that, because these things were lit from within. They were casting shadows on the wall. No they way. Were, wow. Yes. They were red. They were green. They were blue. They were white. They were all different colors. So as we're up there, um, Tom and his his one of his teammates, I think Autumn, had a bunch of devices on the table set up, a REM pod, mm-hmm. a periscope uh, tower, um, and uh, they were asking questions, you know, light this up for yes, light that up for yes. 
And we were getting all kinds of answers. You know, they, we were getting, they would ask questions and they would say, light up the green light on the REM pod and the green light would light up. Light up the red light on the REM pod and the red light. So we were getting intelligent answers. And at mm-hmm. one point, we heard what sound like running, like kids running in one of the rooms in the back. There wasn't any kids in the hotel that night because Tom's team had booked all the rooms for the investigation. So we were the only people in the hotel. There wasn't anyone there but us. And um, so we, we like, you know, actually got up and went and looked in the back room to see if there was children. Because you could hear the patter, patter of little feet running. And Melissa said to me, to Melissa, the team, their team psychic said, no, there's, uh, and Tom felt someone put his uh, hand on his shoulder. Uh, but it felt like a woman's hand. And Tom and Melissa said, no, there's a, a woman, a slave woman up here with two young children. Hmm. And it's her who touched Tom. And it's her children that are running around, you know, and she's trying to get the kids under control because she's <laughs> afraid that the kids are going to make too much noise. You know what I mean? So she was trying to get the kids under control. And... um I thought that was pretty amazing, you know what I mean? Just because we heard the running with our own ears, you know, it was audible. It wasn't something that we picked up on the on the digital voice recorder. We heard it with our own. I mean, there was ten people in the room, and everybody turned to that far corner because that's where we heard the running. And mm-hmm. um, so that was that's the way the night started. So I said, okay, looks like it's going to be a pretty good night tonight, you know. It's kind of funny that even though uh, they're on the other side, the mother still can't keep the kids under control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah, she, <laughs> Melissa said she was very, you know, nervous trying to get the kids under control because she really didn't understand what we were doing, mm-hmm. you know, with the devices and everything being from the 1800s or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. she had no idea what these all these little light gadgets were going off around her, you know. And um, so then we moved down. My group moved down to the library. And in the library, we had three K2 meters set up like in a triangle. And we would ask questions, and all three K2 meters would go off at the same time. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool because, cool. you know, yeah, because, you know, we're not just validating one with the other. Mm-hmm. And they're all not right next to each other. You know what I mean? They're spread out. So to me, you know, and this is just me thinking the way I think. I felt like there was three separate spirits in the room with us. And in this particular room, their team psychic wasn't with us. Um, it was just, you know, his, his team and uh, and some guests that, that were staying at the hotel that were there. So, uh, so that's, the way, that's what I felt. And before we got started, I was taking pictures of the room. And I swear in one of the photographs, it looks like I got a picture of somebody in the mirror. Now, the next room over was like a dining area with chairs and tables, and the door was open. And I thought when I took the picture and I looked at it and I seen it looked like an image in the mirror, I thought there was somebody sitting out at one of the tables in the dining in the dining area. So I went outside to look to see if it was just an image, and there was nobody there. Wow. So I was like, hmm, did, did I capture it? 
a spirit of a, an image of a spirit in the mirror that I, that was actually sitting in another room because she wasn't in the room we were in. You know, mm-hmm. she was sit- You could see in the photograph in the mirror when you blow it up that she was in the the spirit was in the other room sitting down. Wow. So um, so then we close all the doors and we get started and. Um, there was three people from Tom's team. This woman, Gigi, uh, Tom's wife, Red, and another woman that was a guest there. They all had dowsing rods. And they set up in the three uh, locations that the K2 meters were set up in. And they were asking questions. And two of the dowsing rods were moving, you know, like open, cross for yes, open for no. And one wasn't moving at all. And I don't know what made me think this, and I don't know why, but I said, you know, we're in a town called Rhinebeck, in a county that was settled by the Dutch. So I turned to the woman to my left, she was on my left, and I said to her dowsing rods, in German, do you speak German? And her dowsing rods moved, yeah, to the yes position. Nice. So then there happened to be a woman sitting next to me to my right, who spoke fluent German. So I said, well, why don't we try this? Why don't we have a little experiment here? Let's try this. I told Red, you ask the questions in English. You ask the same question in German, and let's see what happens. And when she did, all three dowsing rods answered in, in unison. Yes and no. And then we did another experiment where we only asked questions in German. And only the woman in, to my left dowsing rods were the one moving. The other two, I guess, were English settlers that didn't understand the questions. <laughs> it was, I'd never seen anything like that before. Just totally blew my mind. And I got some amazing orb photos in that room as well. Just amazing orb photos. I got pictures. I got one photo of Gigi and their tech guy, Digger, working on the... I wanted it to instruments playing with the instruments and I got like three photographs in a row and one photograph there's nothing there and then you see an orb starting to come into the picture and then the third photograph the the orb is right over Gigi's head it was like not there just coming into frame and and then the next picture after that it's gone again so it's just amazing so that was that was the that was the library, and they knew that the library was a hot spot because they had been there before. But they had never had that kind of activity where they did three different devices at once, where they asked questions in English and in German. And you know, like I said, I just put two and two together. I said, you know, we're in a town called Rhinebeck. This this county was settled by the Dutch. Maybe the spirit that's over here doesn't understand English. Let's try it in German and see what happens. And it worked. And they were like, Al, how did you know? I was like, I didn't know how I knew. Something (laughs) just told me to try it in German. You know, I don't speak Dutch. I speak a little bit of German because my aunt is German and we used to live with them. And so I picked up a little bit here and there. But um, other than that, I don't speak it fluently. Then we moved to, what was the next location? Oh, we went downstairs. And in between each session, we were with like a 10 minute break to get like a, just to freshen up and stuff. And while everybody was freshening up, I decided to slip downstairs into the basement to um, go towards that hole in the wall with the, um, the, the, yeah, no, no, no. Down into the basement where the, the underground railroad was, the mm, hole great. in the wall where the underground mm-hmm. railroad was. So I went down there like five minutes before everybody else. 
and I'm walking towards the whole. Now, the room we were supposed to set in, set up in, was when we went down the steps, it was directly to our left. It used to be the main kitchen for the inn when back in the day when the slaves were there and doing all the cooking and everything, you know, mm -hmm. that's where everything was done. But I went past that. I went past that room and I headed towards the back, towards the opening in the wall. And um, as I started to get closer and closer to that opening, I, I got an electrical charge that went through my body from head to toe. I mean, it felt like I stuck my fingers in an outlet and I licked my fingers and stuck them in. I got a charge that just stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, whoa, what's that? You know, like, mm. what, what, what was that all about? So I was just sitting there and I'm looking around and I'm listening and I'm feeling and I'm the only one down there. So I started to move forward towards the opening in the wall. And as I got closer, I heard a little voice in the back of my head said, that's far enough. Really? You, you don't need, yeah, you, you know, my, all of a sudden I was getting this gut feeling like you don't need to go any further than, than where you are. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, you should turn around and go back. Hmm. So I said, you know what? I had never gotten electrical charge like that before. And I said, I'm going to heed this warning on my, my guts telling me not to go any further. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit in the room where I'm supposed to sit and and let's see what happens in that room. And as I was going towards the 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 old the old inn's kitchen, Melissa, the, the other team psychic, comes down the steps and she says, "I'm going to go to the to the underground railroad hole in the wall because she has a haunted house as well." where she lives and she has a hole in her wall that was used for the underground railroad. And when we were at her house, we actually got flashes of light coming out of the hole in the wall. Hmm. So, so she said, did you go back here? And I said, yeah. And she goes, what happens? I said, I'll, I'll tell you after you, after you experience what you okay. experience. Yeah. So she starts to walk back there and she gets to right about where I got that electrical charge and she throws her hands up in the air and she goes, oh, hell no. <laughs> and she turns around and she looks at me with these eyes as big as saucers and she goes, did you feel this energy that's back here? And I said, yes, I got an electrical charge that told me not to go any further. She goes, there is something back here that is putting off a negative vibe that does not want us back here. She goes, okay, I'm going to leave this space to you. And she turned around and she went into the room where I, where I was going. And she was just dumbfounded. She was like, oh, my God, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe what, what, what I felt, you know. And I was like, yeah, you know, I said, I'm not a psychic by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, something told me not to go any further as well. So now we're in this room with um, this guy, um, Tom, not Tom, William, William, who, who works for Ghost Magnet. And um, he's actually got his own team, but he was working for Ghost Magnet that night. And Williams got something I've never, never did before. He's got about four or five candles set up on the old um, fireplace where they actually cooked in this giant fireplace. Like you could put a person inside; it was so big, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got he's got these candles lit on the mantle. Everybody settles in. And, you know, um, again, I'm playing with my K2 meter and I'm playing with my uh, periscope wand. And 
they're going off here. They're, it's funny because when I was over by the fireplace before anybody got in, they were both going off like crazy. But then I went over to the main fuse box for the hotel that was in that room. And I remember the uh, electrician saying to me, I'll bring you downstairs to the main fuse box and I guarantee you those things won't go off. So I had that in my back of my head, hearing this guy say that to me. So I went over to the main fuse box, and I sat down by it, and I put my K2 meter and my uh, periscope wand up against the fuse box, and ne things never went off. But over on the other side of the room by the fireplace, where there's nothing but a stone wall and a fireplace, they're going off like crazy. So now we, we, the, the, uh, the group comes in, and everybody settles down. And Tom is asking questions, and, you know, we're not getting much of anything. So Melissa says, let me, let me try it. So she starts to ask questions. And as soon as she starts, she, gets, she hits a nerve with one of these spirits. And I don't remember exactly what, she was, what kind of questions she was asking, you know. Like maybe were you a slave here? What year was it? You know, stuff like that. But all of a sudden... The candles on the mantle, the flames are shooting up. They go from like an inch high to like six inches high. All of the candles? She would, yeah. She would say, oh. to, if you're going to answer yes, make the flames on the candle rise. And they would all go from like an inch to like three, mm -hmm. uh, six inches. Then she would say, if you're going to. If you're going to answer no, make the flame go down to nothing. And the flame would go from an inch down to like an eighth of an inch, barely on. Mm -hmm. And this was going on. For like we were in there for like an hour, and as soon as Melissa took over the questioning, these candles came alive, and I was like, you know, I'm down there. I don't have my camcorder. I can't record this, and I'm thinking, the one night I needed <laughs> my full spectrum to work because yeah. I've never seen this happen before. I don't have it on me, you know. Um, but um, that it, that was amazing. I never seen as I, and I, I'll be honest with you. Next time I do an investigation where I can use lit candles and it's not against the regulations, mm -hmm. I'm going to try it because I've tried the flashlight thing on, on many occasions, you know, mm -hmm. and I can't get the flashlights to go on no matter how hard I try. But How maybe many candles did you have? She had, I think Tom had, uh, Tom, I keep saying Tom, William, <laughs> William had, I think he had about five set up on the mm -hmm. mantle place, yeah. Yeah, we five. might have to try that too on an investigation if it's safe to do so, obviously. Right, that's what I'm saying. It has yeah. to be safe to do. Of course, you know, when you're in front of a stone fireplace and, and a stone mantle, everything is stone. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. But, I mean, i never seen that before in my life. I, I Not even on TV. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, that totally blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, that was just so amazing. I mean, it was just, and William was down there all night. That was his location. He was where, and we were the last team to come down there. And he said, you know, I've been here all night and these candles haven't moved all night long, but Melissa was only down there with our team and it was her energy connecting with the spirit's energy on the other side that was actually making those candles move. I mean, they had like, um, he said that during the course of the night, he had his camcorder going. And again, you know, he's got batteries that last four hours and the batteries were only lasting like, you know, 15 minutes and they were dying. So his batteries were being, his batteries were being drained all night, but, um, and it would get like the K2 meter to go off here and there. 
but nothing like what happened when Melissa was in there with the with the candles. With the candles he said the yeah. candles. Yeah, he said he had the candles on all night. They didn't move the whole night. So then, the last um, room that we were going to do that night was the wine cellar. So I get in. I go up to the wine cellar first. I want to. I want to experience it on my own. And I get in there, and I I'm walking in. The wine cellar has boots set up. Three or four boots on each side of the room with, you know, 100-gallon uh, drums of wine wine drums on the walls. And I'm walking. I'm walking in, and I'm taking pictures with my digital camera. And I got a, a – I, on the outside looking in, I took a picture, and I had an orb at the end. And then I went to the back of the wall, and I took a picture out, and there was an orb on the outside. Um, but there was a boot to my right. It was the last boot on the right by the wall underneath the barrels that was just giving me a bad vibe. I just got a bad vibe by this boot. So I took a photo, I took a couple of photos, and in one photo there's nothing, and then in one photo there's an orb, a big white orb the size of a softball just sitting there, and then in the next photo the orb is actually in motion, like trying to leave, and I caught it in motion. But Something told me to put my hands down on the table. Sit out. Put your hands down on the table. Like, so it's a wooden table. I said, let's just see if you could feel it. And if you could feel the energy. Uh, because I was just getting a bad vibe at this location. I don't know why I was getting a bad vibe. And when I put my hands down on the table, I got that same electrical charge go through my body. Mm. As I did downstairs. And I'm thinking that the wine cellar was probably pretty close to the same area where I was downstairs when I got that electrical charge because they were both like in the northwest, the northeast corner of the building. And, and um, I got a nest, I got, a, I got that a charge and I said, you know what? Obviously, what's ever in this booth and only in that booth was the only booth that gave off a, a negative energy. I said, doesn't want me here. I'm going to leave. So mm -hmm. as I was leaving, of course, Melissa's coming up, and she's bringing the, uh, the team and the, the next group to go in that I'm supposed to be with. But I've already did my little thing, so I'm sitting on the outside looking in, and she gets right to that last booth, and she turns around, and she says, there's something negative in this booth, and it just doesn't want us here. And I don't like the feeling it's given me. And she was telling people, take pictures now. That's, you're gonna get you're gonna get orbs, you're gonna get this in your photograph, you're gonna get that in your photograph. And everybody was taking pictures and one by one everybody went over towards that booth. I mean, a couple of people even actually sat down in the booth, you know, and they would get like a metallic taste in their mouth, or their hair would get like staticky, like static electric. Mm -hmm. And but no, but everybody's like, you know what? It was weird because if you go to the, if you went to the booth directly behind it, nothing. If you went to the booth directly across from it, nothing. Just that one booth. It made no sense that one that one booth had something so negative attached to it. So that was the last eventful thing that happened to us at the Beekman Arms, and um, then. We called it a night, and you know we had coffee and cake and everything, and we went to bed, and it was, and we slept. I slept like a rock, you know. I had no problem sleeping in a the room. There wasn't any, any, you know, 
pounding on the wall or pipes rattling or any nonsense. No one pulled the covers down. Oh, my wife said, if someone pulls the covers down off me tonight, I'm going to kill you, you know. <laughs> but nothing like that happened. We both slept fine, and that was the end of that that investigation. And then I'm surprised last, you're able to yeah. sleep so well because you, it sounds like you all were so giddy with excitement with everything that you got. Yeah, but you know what? Again, I think it's got to do with the adrenaline, you know, that adrenaline rush you get. And then when that adrenaline rush calms down or goes away, you get hit with all this uh, just exhaust. You're just exhausted Mm -hmm. from the energy that's been, you know, going through you, you know, the the adrenaline that's been going through you. It's like you just crash. Boom. There's no energy left in you. And I'm sure... What was ever in the place was probably using our energy as well, you know, mm-hmm. to materialize and stuff like that. So maybe they were the entities there, you know, and I was thinking we're sitting, we're sleeping right above the attic. The last thing I want to do is hear these kids running around all night upstairs, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Bounce on your bed. I, <laughs> that's all I need is these kids running around above me all night yeah. in, the, in the attic, you know. But uh, there was, now it was nice and quiet. <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was, everybody slept well. The next day, everybody met downstairs in the, in the dining room for, for breakfast and Everybody, you know, talked about their experience. People, you know, because I'll be honest with you, even after I went to bed, there were still people investigating to the wee hours of the morning. You know what I mean? Because we had the whole hotel to ourselves, you know, so. Yeah, take uh, advantage of it while you have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I swear to God, people, there were people up till four o'clock in the morning investigating, you know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear them, you know, thank God. I (laughs) I slept like a, like a, like a rock, but, uh. But yeah, I could sleep. I could sleep through anything. You know, one time I slept through a, a five alarm fire. It was right next door to my house. I didn't even. I didn't even know what happened. I woke up the next day. I was like, "What happened?" You know, it was a giant mansion next door to my house. It was humongous, burnt down. Didn't even hear it the was, sirens or anything. Didn't hear the sirens. It was <laughs> there was fire trucks up and down the block. They had the street blocked off, and 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 I got up. I got up in the morning. <laughs> And I went outside and I was like, what the hell happened? You know, like you didn't hear that all night. Like everybody in the whole neighborhood was outside watching the flames. They were like 50 feet high. I'm I envious. slept through the whole thing. <laughs> I slept through the whole day. My dog will change the way she breathes in the middle of the night and I wake up. <laughs> Just- um, my wife, my wife can hear a, 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 a pin drop on the rug. She sleeps yeah. so light. I'll forget it. But she got supersonic hearing too. She can hear anything. Wow. Yeah. So then um, last month, uh, again, Tom called me up and he said they were doing an investigation at this historical plantation. It was called the Brickenhoff House, if I was interested in, in tagging along. And I was like, absolutely. You Have know, you ever been to a plantation before? Um, we went to, uh, I think, I think I was at one. Yes, I was at, I was at, I was at one uh like a couple of years ago, two years ago up here. That was, um, they call them like working farms slash plantations. You know what I mean? I guess nobody right. wants to use the word plantation. Yeah. So they call them, they call them working farms. But, um, the curator, this guy, Rick gave us a little history on, on the, on the farm or the plantation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he gave us some history and, and then we, we, we went, to and I guess it must have really been like its own little town at one point because they had a 
uh, a church on site. They had um, uh, a carriage house. They had a school. So there must have been a lot of kids living on that farm with their families because they actually had a school there. Plus, they had the main house. So we started the night in the schoolhouse. And I went, I went there. I had, um, I had my, again, I had my K2 meter and my uh, periscope wand. I had my uh, uh, full-spectrum ca- camcorder, my little uh, digital camera. And I brought, something told me to bring my ther- digital thermal thermometer that night. Mm. Something just said, you know what? Bring your digital thermometer tonight. You know, I don't usually bring it out too often, but something in the back of my head is to bring it out. Always so I said, okay. Those voices. Yes. So we got to the schoolhouse. Um, Tom sat, Tom was in the front with Melissa, the psychic, or his team psychic. And I sat in the back of the class. I said, you know, I'm going to sit in the back of the class and just observe. I put the, I put the K2 meter up on. I put the, uh, the uh, periscope one on. And... A different on different desks. There was a bunch of little desks there, and and like I had the K two in front of me and the periscope one on the desk in front of me, but on the on to my left, and I was sitting behind both of the instruments, and I would watch them all night. And, uh, and Tom was asking questions, and Melissa was asking, and I wasn't feeling anything. I was filming with my uh, my full spectrum, wasn't getting anything, and then. Tom had all his instruments on the teacher's desk, you know, the, the, uh, his K2 meters and all those other little um, instruments. And he was asking questions. And at one point, he sat down in the teacher's desk. And when he sat down on the teacher's desk, the REM pod went absolutely insane. <laughs> all the lights lit up and it was just going crazy. You're in my so, chair. <laughs> So Tom turns to Melissa, the psychic, and says, what's going on? And she says, you're in the teacher's chair. <laughs> and she's not happy about that. <laughs> You've got to get out of her chair. So Tom was playing devil's advocate, you know, like being a wise guy. So though, tell her to make me something no. to that effect, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, Tom couldn't breathe. He got Ooh. white as a ghost. And he had to leave. He had to go outside to get a breath of fresh air. And when he walked, he happened had to walk right past me to go out the back, out the front door. When he walked past me, that was the only time that night that my K2 meter and my periscope swan lit up. Hmm. And so whatever was attacking him was still attached to him as he walked past them because both of those things lit up. And I said, hmm. Very interesting. It's the first time those things lit up all night. Now, Melissa took over the questioning and she was asking questions and she got the name. Uh, she got the name Jane or something like that. Uh, Rick, the, the c- curator of the of the of the home, he said, oh, Jane, actually. Uh, oh, I know. She, she we were playing with a uh, uh, what do you call it of, of uh, some kind of box of voice box or some kind of ghost box or something and the name jane came out of it okay and everybody heard it and then rick the cure taker uh curator said jane was the name of the teacher that was here during you know the 1800s whatever so we got the name of the teacher 
Tom walks back in. He walks past both of my meters, and neither one of them go off. Mm. He goes back to the front of the class, but now he's standing off to the left. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he starts feeling he's getting really, really cold. Feels He could feel, feel, he says, my God, I'm freezing. All of a sudden, I got, so Melissa got up, and she went over, and she, put, and she goes, oh, yeah, I feel the coldness, too. And everybody got up and felt the cold. Well, I had my dermal digital thermal thermometer on me mm-hmm. i pull it out and i put it in that area you know where there everybody's feeling this cold presence and my digital thermometer the, th- the temperature never changed even when everybody said they were feeling the cold mm-hmm. it always read the same as it did in every other part of the room mm. so i'm thinking i wonder if this entity is making them the cold they're feeling is internal mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and not external because my got my digital thermometer is not reading it you know what i mean so i couldn't validate them feeling the cold but there must have been 10 people who felt it you know what i mean i know they all weren't lying you yeah. know i didn't i didn't get up and go over and actually feel it because i was on the far side of the room and i just didn't feel like getting up to be honest with you um but i was and i think that was the reason why I was supposed to take my thermometer to try to validate this. And it's the first time that, that that dawned on me that when we feel the temperature change in the room, that it may not actually be the, the a temperature in the room that's changing, but our body temperature that may be dropping, you know, mm. it's internal, yeah. you know, I don't know. It was the first time that thought ever came to me. So, I guess that was the reason why I was supposed to bring that uh, digital thermometer with me. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was the first time that ever thought ever came to me. So then we headed out to the carriage house and we're sitting in a carriage house and Gigi is working with the dowsing rods and I'm behind Gigi and I'm taking pictures and, and I'm not getting much on, on any of my photo. I did get a really weird blue orb out in the middle of the field and the, the field was pitch black. There was no lights in the middle of the field, but something told me to take a picture out of the dark in the darkness. So I took a picture of the darkness and it was a blue orb out there. So then we get in and I'm taking pictures of the school inside the class. Didn't really get anything. I'm inside the, the carriage. I'm taking photographs, not really getting anything, but Gigi is, is playing with dowsing rods and she's asking questions, and Melissa's with us, and the dowsing rods are moving slow like molasses. I mean, just slow as molasses. And before I went that day, I had my teen psychic, Cindy, read the energy of the place. And Cindy says, Al, I'm hearing someone say, I'll kill you. Ooh. I don't think you should go. <laughs> and I, yeah. says, I don't think you should go. I'm hearing the words, I'll kill you. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go. You know, I want I want to check this place out. I'm going to go. So we're in the carriage house and Gigi's Melissa comes in and she says, oh, there's two spirits here. And this other woman had dowsing rods as well. And I was actually holding uh, Gigi's hands while she was holding the dowsing rods. And I could feel the energy coming through the dowsing rods into her hands going through her hands into my hands. Hmm. That's how strong the energy was. But her dowsing rods were moving really, really slow. This other woman 
on the other side of the room, she was asking questions and her dowsing routes were moving really, really fast. So Melissa says, oh, there's two gentlemen here. One is older, one is younger. Mm. She said, and the younger one is the one who's making the dowsing routes move at a faster pace mm-hmm. compared to the older one. So then she's like, there's more, and you know, Melissa's trying to figure this out. She's like, there's more here that meets the eye between these two guys. And she goes, these two people don't like each other at all. They're, they hate each other. She goes, I, you know, I, I hear this older guy telling the young guy he's going to kill him, Ooh. which is the same thing my psychic felt too, mm-hmm. you know? So she says, these two people don't really like, so she's, but she's, she says, but there's more here. She's trying to figure out what, what she's missing. And she says, I got it. These two gentlemen are brothers. One's an older brother. One's a younger brother. The older brother was probably the foreman for the carriage house. And the younger brother probably worked for him. And, you know, she says the younger brother has more of a playful kind of energy and not as serious as the older one. And that's what made the older one get mad all the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're asking all these questions and the dowsing rods are going, crossing for yes, opening for no. So at one point, Melissa says, who wants to take Gigi out for a carriage ride? And both <laughs> of those dowsing rods moved so quick. They were like greased lightning. <laughs> when I tell you, they was like... I, and it, and I was standing by Gigi, and I'm telling you, the older the older energy moved a lot faster than the younger <laughs> energy. So he must have really been attracted to yeah. Gigi because he really wanted to take her out for a carriage ride. So everybody in the carriage house is laughing hysterical, right? <laughs> so then Melissa says, "Okay, you know, before we leave this session tonight, we're gonna I'm gonna make these two brothers, you know." make up have you know we're gonna leave here in peace so she asked the younger brother uh are you willing to you know forgive and forget and be uh friends with you know forgive your brother so the younger brother crosses the, the dowsing rods in the yes motion yes he's willing to forget so then she asked the older brother the same thing and his goes to no <laughs> he's not ready to forgive his younger brother so now Melissa is working on the older brother. She eventually gets him to say, okay, he's willing to forgive the younger brother. So then she turns around to the younger brother and says, are you? And now he's, he's mad at the older brother. He says no. <laughs> so now the younger brother, he's mad. He doesn't want to forgive his older brother. <laughs> and again, everybody in the place is laughing hysterical because these, we got two spirits fighting in front of us, you know, Nothing and like the sibling thousand- rivalry. <laughs> amazing and the dowsing rods are confirming everything you know Mm -hmm. and after uh, uh, another half hour of coaxing melissa finally got them both to agree to forgive one another and move on you know but it was it was it was again something i've never seen before i have never experienced that kind of um investigation where you have two separate entities fighting with one another and you know and it's like melissa is is calling the fights he's giving you round uh uh, you know blow by blow saying this one's that and that but it was just but it was just so amazing i never seen that i mean i've used dowsing rods a lot and they always when all my electronic equipment fails my dowsing rods never fail i love my dowsing rods believe me i take them everywhere with me i had them that night but i didn't use them because everybody else had dowsing rods too Mm. but so then we moved on 
to the attic of the main house. We go into the attic of the main house, and I'm with one of Tom's teammates, this woman, Autumn. She's got an SLS camera, mm-hmm. you know, the one that maps out the stick figures, okay? Okay, yeah. And I'm upstairs with her. I got my, I got my full spectrum going. I got my uh, K2 meter going. She's got a K2 meter going. She's got a, per- uh, a REM pod going as well. I got my periscope wand going. And we're asking questions and we're getting, you know, we're getting uh, the, the meters to go off. Yes, no, you know, light up the red one, light, you know, this and all that. And we're, we're getting some action. And again, I'm taking pictures with my digital camera and I'm getting, not getting much of anything that night as far as um, orbs go. But I did get one really weird looking orb that was on the floor. As a matter of fact, it looked like um, a Clorox stain on a hardwood floor. Mm-hmm. When I seen it originally, that's what I thought it was, a stain on the floor. But then when I put it on the big screen, my, my flat screen television to get a better look at it, I seen it was actually an orb. And that was that, that was pretty weird. That one and the blue one out in the yard were like the two weirdest orbs I got that whole night. So anyway, the attic was pretty big. And the attic, had again, had like three or four rooms off it. And Rick, the curator, comes up and he says, hey, listen, um, this back room has a lot of activity. And why don't we go to this back room and let's, you know, see what happens. So we put a, we put the REM pod in the middle of the, in the back of the room and everybody's standing up front and Autumn is filming with the SLS camera. And then all of a sudden we're asking questions and, it, and the REM pod is going off and Autumn asks, could you, uh, you know, materialize so we could see you? And all of a sudden the stick figure shows up, Right. So everybody's looking at it, and I'm I'm taking pictures, but I'm not getting anything on my camera. I'm filming with the full spectrum. Not I'm taking pictures with the full spectrum. I'm not getting anything on the full spectrum. But she's got it mapped out with the SLS camera. So then she says, raise your right hand and wave to us. And the thing raises its right hand, and it waves to us. And then she says, she says, which really made me laugh. She said, stand on your left foot and hop. <laughs> and, you know, and it did? And, and it did. It totally blew my mind. It's standing on its left foot, hopping, waving its right hand. It was hysterical, but it was actually doing. And the energy I got from the feeling I got, you know, and I'm, 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 I'll admit I'm a sensitive and I'm definitely intuitive and stuff like that. But I'm not a psychic. But the, but the feeling I got is that we were dealing with a child. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and then Rick, the curator, comes over and he's looking and he says, is it my imagination or does that stick figure look really small? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go back there and you can compare it. Hopefully it'll stay. You compare it to me. And when I went back there, you know, I'm six foot tall. This thing was like four feet tall, mm. you know. So it was definitely. And I told them that I said, you know, I think we're dealing with a child. And and Autumn says, "Well, why do you why why do you you know what, what makes you say that?" I said, "I know it's just the the vibe I'm getting is that we're dealing with a child, you know." And then and Rick said, "Well, doesn't it make sense that you know a child would hop on one foot and wave at the same time? Yeah. Only a child would do something that ridiculous, you know, because <laughs> you know they're having they're having fun, they're playing with us, you know, so." That was pretty amazing. I think we didn't get much of anything else in any of the other rooms upstairs. 
but that that in itself was amazing and it was you know it was amazing to be behind the camera and actually see it doing what you're asking it to do mm. especially when you're asking it stuff that's ridiculous you yeah. know <laughs> yeah i mean so i don't know that was pretty cool so then we all got together we went down to um the breckenhoff's daughter's bedroom and it had a full bed in there and a little uh, cradle in there i guess where they had the, the a smaller child and, the, and an older child and everybody filed in, and again, you know, the, my K2 meters going off, and uh, my full spectrum, uh, my um, my periscope one is going off, and their equipment is going off. They got all their stuff set up in the middle of the room on the floor, and you know, Tom's asking it to do this and do that, and the the pot, uh, everything is going off, and you know, we're getting all kinds of questions, and we had oh, Tom broke out uh, a piece of equipment called the Echo Vox. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as we're asking questions, we get a name come through, a name of a girl. Okay. And it was before the name came through, Melissa says, I'm getting the energy of, of a child, a, a girl's energy, but not a small child or an infant, like a teenager, you know? Mm. And now Rick, who's the, the curator, he wasn't with us when Melissa said that, but he walks into the room just as the Echo Vox says this name so of course we asked rick does that name sound familiar to you and rick says oh yes that's the children's nanny the mm. brick and, the brickenhoffs imported this girl from ireland to come to the united states and live with them and take care of the kids and that was this girl's name and mm. that girl happened to be like 15 years old mm. so so you know all of this stuff is going on. Melissa's, you know, feeling this teenager girl energy. The, the Echo Vox is giving us a name. So then Twist turns to me. Tom turns to me and he says, Al, I would move if I were you. You're in a bad spot. And I was like, why? He says, there's a portal over there. Mm. And the energy that comes through that portal makes everybody sick who sits in that spot. Now, at this point, I've been in that spot for about 20 minutes and I feel fine. So I said, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. Let's see what happens, right? So, <laughs> Of course you, know, you would. <laughs> right, yeah. Let's see what happens, right? I mean, so I'm sitting there, and as the Echo Vox is going off and saying all kinds of stuff, and you could just feel the energy in the room ramping up. I mean, it felt like we were in a, a tornado or some kind of vortex. All of a sudden, I got violently ill. Hmm. I got nauseous. I got a pressure in my head. I got a metallic taste in my mouth, and I had to get out. I had to get out. Not only did I have to get out of that room, but I had to go outside in the yard and get fresh air. I did not feel good at all. I thought I was going to throw up. That's how bad it got. Hmm. And um, I was outside for about 15 minutes and I came back in and they had called the state session was over and um, everybody was, everybody was uh, again, you know, 
everybody was having coffee and cake and, you know, talking about the different experiences. Because, you know, again, they break up into different groups and each group goes to different. So, you know, group A may not have experienced what group B experienced or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So everybody's asking about, hey, what did you experience here? What did you guys experience? And um, I came back in and uh, they asked me, how you doing? I said, yeah, just give me a cup of coffee. I feel fine. You know, (laughs) I feel better now. I got got some coffee in me and um that was a pretty amazing night and i'm i'm so happy that i went and you know i mean i know cindy was she heard them she heard that i'll kill you but it was the older brother yelling at the younger brother mm-hmm. for not listening to him you know and um so it really had no it wasn't really there wasn't really anything dark or demonic there cuz i asked i asked their team psychic melissa i grabbed her you know towards the end of the night and i say hey, melissa you know since I was sitting by that portal of energy, do I have anything to worry about? She said, no, Al. She says, it's not a portal where entities come in and out of. It's just a portal that manufactures a lot of EMF, she said. And you were just getting the brunt of all that energy coming out of there. And that's what made you sick. You know, she goes, you don't have to worry about anything dark attaching it to you or bringing anything home with you, you know? Mm. So I was like, okay. So um, you must have breathed a sigh of relief. You know, I I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't feel anything negative there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like at the at the Beekman Arms, I didn't feel anything negative there as well. So I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. But I just figured, you know, we 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 just did um, we did a, 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 a we did a job for a client we got a call on the bps hotline okay and um this guy calls me up and he says listen um having issues at my house we've moved like four times the issues haven't gone away we go to europe we go to south america on vacation we go to mexico and we have issues there this whatever this is it follows us everywhere you know? So I said, well, what happened? You know, give me the backstory. So I went to this guy's house and I went there and I didn't feel anything negative while I was there. And I took photographs and I videoed and I, um, I did a interview with him, his wife and his daughter who are having all the experiences. And I recorded everything and I listened to the recording to see if I got any EVPs on it. And I didn't get anything on, on the recording, but it turns out, that this guy let me know if i go on too long um this guy his wife's favorite uncle passed away Mm -hmm. so he wasn't a believer in the paranormal she's a big believer she comes from south america she has family that are shamans you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah and so they did a seance and when they did this seance they opened the portal, okay, and something negative came in, right. and this thing uh, was attracted to his wife, and this thing constantly attacked his wife, you know, scratched her, pulled her hair, gave her um, scary dreams, she would have horrible dreams, just all kinds of stuff that was going on, and then it set its sights on his oldest daughter who was 16 mm. at his daughter 
was sleeping in the room with her little sister. The little sister's maybe like 10, and she's like 16. They were sleeping in the room, and they seen what looked like the image of their grandfather come out of the closet. Hmm. Her grandfather was still alive in South America, so why are they seeing their, gra- their grandfather right. come out of the closet? All of a sudden, the little girl gets up, goes to the bathroom, goes back to bed. Um, like she's not seeing it, but the older girl is seeing this and she's like looking at her sister, like, aren't you seeing this? You know, and the sister didn't pay her any mind. Like she was still half asleep, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this thing gets on the older sister, holds her down and paralyzes her and starts like yelling at her or whatever, all kinds of stuff and scratching her. So, um, I called a friend of mine up. I first, I called my team psychic Cindy and Cindy read the place, and Cindy said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, this woman has abilities. She doesn't want them, but they're running her family on the woman's side, and she has abilities, and her daughter has abilities. And when they did the seance, they opened the portal, and something dark came through that's attached, that's attracted to her. Mm-hmm. I said, well, what... If it's attracted to her, then what's attacking the young girl? And Cindy said, they live across the street from the woods. And in those woods, somebody practiced black magic in those woods. And when these people moved into that location, because the portal was opened and this other negative entity was there, whatever this other entity was that was in the woods came in as well was like a like it was like a, a welcoming mat come on in you know i'm right. here come. so now they had two ent- entities there and the husband told me that he would you know walk his dog through those woods and i mean i know those woods very well i grew up in the same area and i found like three dead bodies in those woods growing up as a kid okay oh, really yes um one was a murder um one was a, a guy froze to death, like a homeless person. And I don't remember what the third one was, to be honest with you. But I know I remember finding three dead bodies in those woods. Well, this guy told me that when he used to walk his dog through the woods at night, he found, he came, he came upon an altar with pentagrams on it and all kinds of stuff. That was, you know, his apartment window faced, the woods faced that area. So, you know, there there have been kids who, who've, practice black magic in those woods and i guess this entity that was in the woods came into their apartment because the other entity invited it in because it was a negative entity as well Mm -hmm. so then this guy goes on to tell me that he has a real estate office in a home that's like 200 years old along the hudson river and this this particular guy who's a real estate agent He's also a New York City police officer, okay? Mm -hmm. So he's the one who really doesn't believe in voodoo and black magic and all of that stuff. Well, he does real estate on the side. He's at his office one night with his partner doing paperwork, and they hear banging on the wall outside their their office. It's 12 o'clock at night. Who's banging on the wall outside? Mm. So they put the light on. They go out, and they look. There's nobody running. This guy's a cop. He's got a gun. He's not afraid, you know? Uh, I'm sure his partner, the real estate partner, is probably an officer too. You know what I mean? Mm. So they hear banging on the wall. and 
So they go back, they sit down at the desk, they're talking amongst each other. The front door gets kicked in. And like a tornado, he says, a whirlwind comes in the in the office, blows through the office, wind flying everywhere, paperwork flying everywhere, and goes out. They both ran out of that office so fast, he said. They left the door wide open, and they jumped in their cars and went home. Wow. So so then the next day, they they tell the the own the landlord who owns the house. He says, "Hey, you know, you, this is what this happened to us last night. You know, have you have you um, ever had any paranormal experiences in the house?" And the guy said, "Yes. When my wife was alive, she was uh, a, a a psychic, and she would have a lot of paranormal experiences in the house. We would have all kinds of stuff going on, knocking on the walls, the lights would go on, the water would run, all kinds of stuff. But my wife has passed, and when my wife passed, all the activity went with her. You mm-hmm. know." He said, well, something kicked in my front door last night to our office and, you know, came in. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah. He says, you know, it's, he goes, you know, that's the first time we've ever experienced anything here. He said, oh, maybe the entities are back. I don't know. Maybe you brought them back. He's telling them because he's got other people living in the house and they're not experiencing anything because they're not complaining to him about anything, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, I hooked this family up with a friend of mine who's a shaman. I just felt like I didn't think they needed like a, a demonologist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I just think they needed a shaman. And so I got, I hooked him up with a friend of mine who's a shaman and um, he went in there and he, he, I told, I said, he goes out, what do you want me to do? I said, this is what I want you to do. I said, when it's all said and done, I would like you to a close the portal you know, first, first let's, let's cleanse the place. Cause they tried cleansing it and it worked for a couple of days or weeks. And then the thing would come back with a vengeance. I said, let's cleanse it. Let's seal it. Then let's seal the portal. Let's get rid of this other thing that came from the park. Cause it was funny because when I called my friend, who's a shaman, he's a psychic as well. I had him read the energy to place through me. Like I do with my team psychic, mm-hmm. But I didn't tell him that I had already got a report from my team psychic. I just wanted to see what he said. And he said everything that she said, word for word. They went like right down the list of stuff. He was feeling the same exact things that she was feeling when she read the place through me. And I mean, I, I, I couldn't have, it was like he was reading the script. It just totally blew my mind. I didn't tell him that, you know, my team psychic read it. And I didn't tell her that I was having this other guy read it. Mm-hmm. But um, he went there and he worked with the family. I'm going to say for like three months. He said the daughter got it really quick. Um, she learned how to ground and protect herself and to block. And she's been able to keep all these entities out. Because neither one of them, the daughter or the wife, want the ability they don't want to deal with people. They don't want to deal with um, spirits. They just want to live their life and go on, uh, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but the wife was, he said it was a little bit harder for her because while he was working with her, her father actually died in South America. And that brought up a whole, you know, whirlwind of emotions and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, he said, but, you know, uh, after about three or four months of working with the family, um, he called me and he said, look, 
we're, we're done there. You know, everything is done. Everybody's, the house is cleansed. The place is sealed. No more negative entities. And um, both the wife and the daughter are better. No more dark dreams. No one's getting attacked anymore. And they're not afraid anymore because they were both petrified. So I called the, the client um, who actually called me and I asked him, I said, well, you know, how is everything, you know? And he said, oh, I thought, you know, you, the, your shaman was going to call you. I said, my shaman did call me, but I want to hear from you. How, how is everything, you know? And he basically said the same thing that the shaman said. Everything, they, the place was quiet and cleansed. And he actually had the shaman come to his office and cleanse the office and seal the <laughs> office as well, he said. No he more said, doors getting like, kicked in. <laughs> yeah, he said, I figured since I had him here, I might as well use him, you yeah. know. So he took him to um, he took him to his office and he did that, sealed that as well. Uh, so, I mean, all ended, it all ended well. I was very happy I was able to take care of that for them. And I was very happy that they were pleased with, um, you know, my shaman's uh, work, you know. So. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, just you know, a lot, we've been getting so much, so many. It's like every night is a, it's like a full moon over here, and we're getting so <laughs> many calls on the hotline. I can't keep up with them. I can't keep up with them, Cat. I'm telling you, uh, demonic possessions, alien possessions, UFOs, people that are to have. I believe this this one client had like a love spell put on him mm -hmm. from somebody. You know what I mean? Because yep. he's obsessed with somebody that he doesn't know why he's obsessed with. And just like, it's like one thing after another. Just had a, another girl call me from upstate who's seen what she, she described it as a wolf-like creature in her basement with yellow eyes that turned red and then just vanished. Hmm. She she thinks it's a like a demonic entity, you know. Yeah. And I I told her I said, look, that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> I said I will give you a list of uh, exorcist uh, the demonologists that do exorcists and stuff like that mm -hmm. that could help you. But you know, that's, and I gave her like three or four names that I that I consider to be the top people in the field. Mm -hmm. And I said, call these people and, you know, tell them that I referred you to them and they can help you because this is way above my pay grade. But I'm telling you, Kat, every day I'm getting another phone call, like one after the other. It's unbelievable. Now, do you think just more, more and more people are getting to know you and they're calling or is there a rise in all this activity? I think there's just a rise in all this activity. That's what I think. Because it was funny. One girl called me. Listen to this. She calls me up and she says, um, she was, she's is a girl who's having issues with, you know, UFOs. She sees them everywhere she goes. She's actually videotaped them and sent me the videotapes. Hmm. Uh, obviously, they're, they're typical UFOs, unidentified flying objects. What mm -hmm. they are, I don't know. But I've seen the same things on um, TV shows from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they look exactly like what this girl is filming. Okay, mm. she calls me up and she says, um, oh, I, I just lost my train of thought. It just popped <laughs> out of my head. She called me up and she's like, I'm, I'm having these experiences and, uh, you know, I want you, I want, you know, oh, she goes, I was reading a book um, 
about, you know, I guess a MUFON book or something like that. And in the book, they mention this, my team psychic, uh, her name is Cindy Bailey Dove. Now, Cindy is a, is a member of MUFON and she's like their drone expert. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, I was wondering if you can connect me with Cindy because I'm seeing these strange lights come over the mountain and I, I don't know if they're drones or not. And I would like to send her a video of it so she could look at them. I said, I says, well, how did you connect Cindy with me? And she goes, well, my aunt follows your, your group. And when I mentioned to my aunt that I was looking for this woman, Cindy, her aunt told her, well, Cindy is Al psychic on the Bronxville paranormal society. Why don't you call the BPS hotline and talk to Al? So through me, uh, she was able to contact Cindy and Cindy looked at the videos and said, yeah, I think what you're seeing may be military, you know, drones, but she, I mean, maybe, you know, one or two of the videos that she sent are drones, but she sent me some still photos of what looks like uh, diamond-shaped crafts in the sky that mm-hmm. are metallic, and that doesn't look like a drone to me, okay? And it has a weird kind of tail to it. I don't know if it's a propulsion system where it's like sp- sputtering out energy, like mm-hmm. puffs of energy, because I gave it to Brian, and Brian ran into his software, and it's definitely. And I told her, I said, "Listen, I don't know what those things are that are lighting up over the mountain on your house." I said, "But I've seen that diamond-shaped craft when I was on vacation two years ago up in the Catskills at a place called the Villa Roma. It's a resort up there, and I seen the same thing. And I seen that. I said it was ten o'clock in the morning. There was a hundred people by the pool, and I was the only one who seen it. And I turned to my wife and I made her witness it with me. And this thing went from mountain range to mountain range. That must have been 20, 20 miles apart in a matter of two seconds. No, so I'm telling you, that's Fast. no drone. That's no drone. No. There's nothing going twenty miles in two seconds. I said the thing was doing maneuvers in the skies stopping on a dime, doing like backflips and coming back the other way. I said, and it looked exactly like the photo that she sent me. Mm. So um, Brian and I are actually going to go over to where she lives and um, meet with her, interview her, and go to where she gets all these videos. I don't know if it's a special, a certain park that she goes to or what, and film, stay there at night and film, see if we get the same exact things that she's getting on her videos or if they're just showing themselves to her, you know? Right. Because I told her, I said, what you need to do whenever you see, and they see her, and it's funny because in the videos that she sent me, she's with her mother, and she can you can hear her talking to her mother. Hey, mom, what's that in the sky? You see that? Yeah, what is that? That's pretty weird. And it's like everywhere she goes, she goes to the park with her son, the things are there. She goes out with her mother, the things are there. She goes to the mall by herself, the things are there. They're mm-hmm. always there. So I told her, I said, what you need to do, next time you see these these lights in the sky or these crafts in the sky, you have to, what you're going to call it, you have to um, check your watch. Make sure you don't lose any time. Mm-hmm. You got to do a time check. Every single time you see them, do a time check. And I said, if you see these things at night before you go to bed, what I would recommend you do is set up a video recorder on one side of the room facing the, facing the bed 
and a digital voice recorder on the other side of the room in a totally different part of the room. Mm -hmm. And then in the morning, check them both. Because sometimes if you're being abducted, and and I told her, I said, I'm not saying you're being abducted. Okay. Pick up all all of the sound that it's making. Yeah. We lost it there for a second. So. Will I, can you hear me? Okay. What, oh, yeah, we yeah, lost you. you for about a minute. Okay. Where, where do, where, you do you remember about, what I was saying? Yeah, you were talking about, we'll just uh, edit that part, but where you were talking about setting up the camera and the, the uh, voice recorder, and uh, you said you were not telling her that she's not being abducted, but, and then I lost you. Okay, yeah, like I, I, t- I was saying was, I'm not telling you that she's being abducted. I don't know if she is or she isn't. But I told her, even if these things do come in, um, sometimes they may shut the camera off or just affect the video itself where it's mm-hmm. all snowy. But a lot of times it doesn't affect the digital voice recorder. And you could still oh. hear everything that happened in the room while it was idea. going on. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, so she that's what she said. She said, that's a good idea. Yeah. I should, you know, put one on each side of the room. Now, whether she does it or not, I don't know. She seems like I was talking to my team psychic, Cindy, and Cindy said she's very, very afraid. And, no doubt. Um, and her mother's very afraid. And mm-hmm. I told Cindy, I said, listen, I'm not a psychic by any stretch of the imagination. But my gut tells me that this is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. That's not only her. It's not only her mother, but it was probably her grandmother, and it's probably her child as well. Hmm. And I says, I don't know why I'm saying that to you. I don't know why I'm feeling that, but that's what I'm feeling. So um, Cindy was supposed to talk to her again on Saturday uh, and get like a, a, a deeper read on her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what happened. She never called me, so I'm assuming that they never connected, so... We'll have to, you know, to be continued. <laughs> yeah, I really hope yeah. they do. Yeah. And uh, so, I'll have to, yeah, you have to keep me posted on that. That sounds real fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy stuff. I don't know, you know, I don't know why I feel like I feel, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that's just, I, I keep telling Cindy, I keep saying, I say, I, you know, I said, Cindy, I don't know why I'm feeling this, but I just feel like there's more here than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're missing something. Sounds like I don't it. know. I don't know what it is, but I just I feel like we're missing something, and that's where we're at. Wow. Well, Al, we are at the end. Okay. Very oh, cool. You're so fascinating. I'm telling you. <laughs> stay no. busy. Try to stay busy. Absolutely. <laughs> I got I got like six different historical sites set up that I, I'm planning on getting to this summer. The team is doing an event at a historical. Uh, uh, again, the plantation. Um, and next month, we got another event, another investigation coming up at a place called uh, the Terror Dome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a quick backstory on that. Is it's a this giant? What it is is it's, it's a giant barn, a where somebody hung themselves. But Ooh. at one point, there was a traveling salesman who came through this town who um, was selling elixirs. Mm-hmm. And I guess his elixirs were so well, so great that everybody fell in love with this guy and it became like a, a little cult and everybody, mm-hmm. like this guy was a cult leader and he had a big wing, uh, wing ding in the barn one night where he invited the whole town. And while everybody was in there waiting for him to show up, 
he nailed the doors closed at a barn and burnt everybody alive. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Jeez. I mean, I don't know what happened after that. I don't know the backstory. I don't know if the guy left town or if they found him and hung him or whatever. I'll find out more the night of the investigation. But we So we have this um, uh, investigation coming up. It's called Miss Fanny's Victorian Party House. And Miss Fanny was uh, Van Wick, who was a very, very mm. rich, influential family mm -hmm. up here in New York. And she was a spiritualist in the 20s and 30s. So last time I was at her house, I had a ghost cat run past me. Really? Oh, cat, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting in her living room, and her coffee table is a casket, okay? An old-fashioned <laughs> casket, like in the cowboy days, that yeah. diamond-shaped casket. Yeah. Okay, and behind that is a couch, and there's like four women sitting on a couch, and I'm sitting on a chair, and this little black cat, is, I swear to God, it's like solid as me or you, comes out of the dining room, runs past me, I go to pet it because I'm an animal lover, yep. it ducks its tail down so I can't touch it, <laughs> and it goes underneath the coffee table, so I was like, okay, it doesn't want to be touched, you know? So then, as we were all getting up to go to a different room, I tell the ladies that are sitting on the couch, be careful you don't step on the cat when you get up because it's under the coffee table. Mm. The woman who owns the house, and this house is very famous, it's been on like three or four TV shows, the woman who owns the house says, what cat, Al? I said, your cat. I just seen your cat run. <laughs> she goes, I don't own a cat. I own a pig and a dog, and they're both in the <laughs> pen out in the yard. I says, what are you talking about? I just seen a little black cat run underneath the coffee table. She says, the woman who had the house before me was a cat lover and had hundreds of cats. She goes, you just seen one of the ghost cats that are in the house. I was like, oh, my God. I, I've never <laughs> seen a ghost before. I've seen a ghost cat. And I went to touch it. I went to yeah. pet it. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Crazy stuff, yeah. I can't make this stuff up, I swear <laughs> to God. And there's so much more that happened in that investigation. I'll tell you about it another time. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on because you have so many interesting stories. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So why don't you tell us, uh, tell the listeners where we can find you, tell us about the hotline. Okay, well, you could go to, um, you could find BPS at, uh on the web, www.bronxvilleparanormalsociety.com. The hotline is on is on the on the website. The hotline is also on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. We have we're also on YouTube and Twitter, so we're all over the place. Uh, so if you have any issues that you need help with, you know, you can contact me directly through the hotline. I get all the phone calls come directly to my cell phone. And, um, you know, we're going to be very busy this summer, so you're going to probably hearing a lot about us. Yeah. And folks, like you said earlier, um, if they can't help, they can most certainly get, direct you to someone who can. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, there are some things that are above my pay grade that we yeah. pass off. And, um, you know, but we're, you know, we, we got our hands in everything, you know. Um, also, co-director of the New York State UFO Project and um, co-director of the North American Dogman Project, New York State Chapter. So if you have any dogman sightings in New York State that you want to contact, contact us on the page. You can contact us there. If you have any UFO sightings or anything to do with UFOs, you can go to the New York State UFO Projects page as well and contact us there. Anything paranormal, you can go to the BPS page. We're all over the place. Busy, busy, busy. Always busy. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much again, Al, for being on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Kat. It's been my pleasure. Anytime for you. You know that. I know. Thank you. And I just want to thank Brian Anderson for being the wonderful voice in the intro and outro of this podcast. And if you're looking for a voice artist to do voice work for your podcast or audiobooks or commercials, you can contact Brian at www.brianandersonvoice.com. I'll post all the links to the uh, podcast. Thanks again. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 